and uh, forget the money. Uh, because if you say that getting the money is the most important thing, you will spend your life completely wasting your time. You'll be doing things you don't like doing in order to go on living, that is to go on doing things you don't like doing, which is stupid. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. And after all, if you do really like what you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is, you could eventually become a master of it. It's the only way to become a master of something, to be really with it. Hey, 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 what's happening, everybody? Another episode of the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast is ready for you. Um, This is a special one. We ended up doing this podcast live on Twitch, which was super cool. Um, We had our good friend and fellow Twitch animation dreamer, Aaron Schultz, come by. Um, He's known as Straws on Twitch. Go by and check out his channel. Aaron is a veteran animator in the industry. He's animated on films like Ant-Man, Avengers. He's also just currently finished up animation on The Last of Us 2, working for Naughty Dog. And he came on the stream and we did kind of a a live Q&A session now. If you're not familiar with what Twitch is, it's basically a, um, a YouTube live where people can come into the channel, ask questions live, and we were doing kind of a live Q&A session with Aaron as I was shooting questions off as well. So we talked about a lot of topics, um, you know, getting into the animation industry in general, what his process was working on Last of Us 2, kind of specifically more towards the shots and the things that he was responsible for in the game animation wise. We talked about demo reels, we talked about attitude, and we talked about, you know, the uh, the current world state in the animation industry right now. So I hope you enjoy this special episode of the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast. Uh, if you enjoy it, give us a like and hit that subscribe button. We'd very much appreciate it uh, as we're looking to continue to do this throughout the year. Um, thank you again for tuning in and I hope to catch you on the next one remember to support an artist be kind to one another and uh, go wash your hands and keep your mask on you heard me alright have a good one bye what up everybody what's happening happy Friday happy Saturday whatever you may be be shadow Straws, Ooh, straws creeping up in here like he belongs in the conversation or something. Matt, Ori, what's happening in early today? New intro, that's right, B. That's right, B. New intro, new music by my buddy John Graves. If you checked out podcast episode five, my sound designer buddy. Anyway, we're gonna get right on into it. We are blessed, lucky, privileged to have straws up in here tonight ladies and gentlemen big straws as i hide my window so you can see that beautiful face what's happening oh you're still muted it looks like you're still muted there it is there it is that's much better that's much better what's happening a to the j happy friday what's going on everybody's up in here everybody's up in here so we thought I miss being on Twitch, man. This is a good way to have you, have you back with a little bit of the uh, the old whiskey. Mm-hmm. Cheers, good sir. Cheers. Happy cheers. Friday. Happy weekend, everybody. Let's kick it off right. Cheers, everybody in chat that's joining us tonight. If you got a little something to sip on, no matter what it is, water, whiskey, or soda, bring it on out tonight. I think it's a good time. 
How you been, buddy? God, I feel like the last time we saw each other was what Christmas 2019, maybe. If that was yeah. that was that 2019, I don't remember anymore. Dude, it might have been. No, that sounds about right. I think, hey, dude, the older I get, everything is just sort of a, a blur. So <laughs> that could have been that could have been five years ago, and feels like you know six months ago. I don't know. Yeah, but it's been a while, dude, for sure. Especially with how uh, how busy you've been. For those that that don't know, uh, Aaron Schultz here, also known as Straws on Twitch. If you're not following him on Twitch, definitely follow him on Twitch. AJ, give him a shout out if you would, please. Everybody's got the link to that. Um, he works currently at Naughty Dog and just released a little game called The Last of Us Two. If uh, you heard of it, maybe you've been around the industry a little bit. If not, uh, it's a it's a tiny game. It was a uh, what? only a six-year eight-year dream come to life yeah i think it yeah between six seven years i think in total and then we get the that game out which i think it shows you know there's a a ton of passion and art and dedication in there man from a lot of people yeah you, you came into it they were already in full swing on the project right yeah yeah they were they were pretty much you know the last well it's been a year and a half so they were pretty much in the home stretch, you know, getting going, ramping up, and uh, that's when I came in. So, yeah, it's been about a year, year and a half now. But yeah, God, I can't believe it's already been a year and a half since you started on that project. I remember we had talked about you just getting into the interview and getting everything signed up back then. Yeah. And then a year and a year and a half here we are already. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a wild ride, dude. Uh, like I think most everybody in the chat knows, I come back, you know, my background is film so going from film to games uh yeah that was a bit of a <laughs> a slight learning curve so that was your this is the first game you've worked on yeah yeah pretty oh much. no kidding why didn't i not know that right on okay okay and so let me yeah. get your first impression like by week two where you're like fuck video games film is way easier <laughs> film is way easier to work out all this technical bullshit i gotta go through and engine compression and how did that go for you uh yeah it was it was a lot man like you know once i got in and kind of figured out okay wow this is uh this is way more in depth like it's, you know like on the film side when we animate a shot you know we get the previs or whatever we get some match moves maybe we get the cameras in there our rigs are ready to go and then we just polish away make it look good and then we hit that little publish button and it sends it to the lighter and then we don't hear back unless we have notes or there's a problem with our animation over the fence here you go this, yeah. i don't need it anymore it's yours here you go <laughs> we're just tossing it over man and then uh for games it's like no 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 man you gotta animate everything like you normally would but then how about how about you check that and publish it into the engine and make sure it works in the game yeah and then if it's not working at least you know with naughty dog style it's very linear so there's not a big hierarchy uh so you got to wear a few different hats and if something's not working like if a blend's not working right or the character's doing a pop of some kind when it blends back to gameplay like you got to track it down and usually that involves getting up out of your seat and going and talk to a designer and whoever else and uh, go from there so it was, um, it was a lot dude i gotta imagine you know night has got a qa department too as well right yeah 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 um <clears throat> so you're getting to at least troubleshoot a couple of things before you send it down 
the pipe, or are you already exporting to builds before you even troubleshoot? Yeah, I mean, we're we're checking our stuff. You know, as soon as we we can build locally on our okay. little box, okay, yeah, we yeah, can yeah, check yeah. it ourselves in game and then see like, okay, there's some issues, but the animation looks good, and then we fix those problems, and then we'll build it globally. You know. And then uh, that it'll be it'll go into the game for the whole studio to see, including nice. QA. Okay. So, yeah, it's that's nice to hear that you get to, or actually, you're you're kind of responsible for troubleshooting your stuff as well, and kind of getting that technical yeah. side in at the same time and going like, why isn't this blend working? <laughs> why is <laughs> why is this script not triggering when it's when it's supposed to trigger? Like, I've got so many questions for you about. Like the scripted events that you do, like let's say, maybe maybe they're not scripted events. You probably animate them as a scene. But let's take the <clears throat> the larger woman um, when she's fighting Abby. Some of those sequences, mm -hmm. like are those mini? Because I haven't played the game yet. Don't hit me, chat. Um, I know I don't have a PS4. I've got a PS3. I got a PS3. I played the first one. I played the first one at least. Well, uh, well when you do, I might have a code for you. Oh, bless your heart. Do you have a code for a PS4 too? That uh, sexy PS4 that they gave you. That sexy PS4 they gave you was beautiful. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got that around you can show the class? You got that around you can show? It might be over there. Okay, okay. Um, see it. I'm curious, like, that type of thing, when when those sequences pop up in the game, are you as the animator animating that like a like a scene in a movie? Or are you also having to set up the trigger points, the stop points, where you want the action to stop and the player to take control, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, no, the, uh, like we're, we're handling the animation just like you would a normal shot for film or commercial, or whatever. You know, you got your in and out points and then, you know, your start poses, end pose, and then you're getting everything in between. Uh, all that stuff for like the trigger, when things trigger, like when you're button mashing to like get out of a chokehold or not die. That's all handed on the on the design side and scripting side, but we okay. work really closely with those guys to be like, you know, this blend out feels too long. Can we, sh you know, change the blend from like 15 frames to like eight frames or something like that? Or, you know, when I'm when you're matching the button, like we make sure that the animation is doing what it should be. It's not like a, it's not too jittery or like you know that it works with the functionality of the game. When you're making those edits, are you editing that on the engine side? Or are you going into your your animation software and going, okay, I need to cut eight frames of this loop off. I need to cut 10 frames of this loop off and re-export. Yeah, it's a bit of both. I okay. think, uh, like I've been there a year and a half and I still consider myself like a rookie as far as, and rightfully so. I mean, there's a lot to learn at particularly Nadia. It's hard for me to compare to other game studios because I haven't been to any others so but at least at naughty dog like ideally i think what they really respond well to are like animators who can and not afraid to open up like a script editor and check out some code and maybe understand the language a bit so that you can go in there and like adjust blends on your by yourself or like understand the language when you go talk to a designer or a scripter to be like hey you know i think i know why this is happening could you check it out but we don't I think on, on that project, I probably opened up Sublime, the script editor, maybe like 10% of the time. Oh, okay. My time I worked there. Okay. Like when I was working on it, it was very much like, here's my animation. Oh, there's a problem. Let me get up and go talk to the guy. 
but I wasn't trying to go in there and fudge with code or numbers, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, don't, don't NDA this. <clears throat> if you can't answer this, just let me know. But is in the, the engine side, is it a lot of GUI interface so you can kind of easily blend things in and out if you want to, or you have to like kind of get into the back end number shit if you had to adjust that type of thing? Yeah, it's mostly numbers things. You Ooh, know? okay, okay. Yeah. I felt that kind of pain on the StarCraft II engine, but <clears throat> to me, I was just like, that engine's over 10 years old and everything was held together by duct tape and staples. So... <laughs> Okay. We were we were kind of just like if it worked for us on Heroes, we just left it as is and hope we never had to go back to it in the editor once we released it. Um, yeah, and then I got in there, of course, as one of the young young associates, and I was doing like all these low hanging fruit animations going back to Legacy Heroes that hadn't been touched in like three or four years. Going like, what did you guys do to get this to work? And having to like yeah. talk to designers and people going like, I, you know, I wasn't here at that time. You have to go talk to this person who was here and just find the, the tribal knowledge down the pipeline. Um, did you ever find like yourself coming across tribal knowledge issues where you're like, you know, I'm brand new. What's the issue? How, how do you make this work in the engine? Is there somebody I can talk to with that deal? Dude, yeah. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Darren, friend Darren. Uh, who worked on the workbench was pretty much the lead guy on the workbench and i sat next to him when i first started so when they were figuring out what i could help out with the workbench was the first thing because he needed help with that and i'm trying to learn the pipeline trying to learn how to get stuff in the game engine and you know you sit next to someone who's been with the studio for a while it, you kind of lean on them to ask them questions but at the same time i'm like man if I lean back one more time today and ask him a question, what's he going to do? You know? <laughs> How is he going to react to this one? Yeah. It's, you know, but yeah, you kind of have to, you know, I mean, that's, you know, working at, at Method, we've had like, some junior animators come in and they're going to have lots of questions and you just, you got to do the best you can and like guide them along. So like everyone at Naughty Dog was really cool about that. So okay. if I had a question with my leads, like, how do I do this? This is broken. Uh, the designers were like, hey, man, I noticed this blend isn't that great. What can we do? Like, everyone was really cool with that. So, like, they were pretty open to, like, just going up and having a chat. And, like, how do we fix this? You know? Which is, or how do I do this? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth between my stupid questions and the better questions coming from chat. Um, okay. Captivating Studios asks, how many animations a day were required for Last of Us Part 2? I'm going to guess that's more directed towards you. How many animations were you kind of doing per day if, if that was a, a quota you were working towards? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's hard to put it down like per day. It's probably easier like per week. I think, you know, we had different stages and milestones we had to hit. So, um, I mean, ideally, if you could bust out a really solid animation or two, depending on the complexity, you know, per week, you got it almost final. Like, that's really good. Okay. If you're any faster than that, that's fantastic. And it's different. Like, for what I was doing, I was doing in-game cinematics for, in case people weren't, are quite, aren't quite sure what that is. It's basically you hit a button on an interact, whether it's opening a door or starting up a generator or anything that's interactable within the game and it's not covered by the gameplay system, pretty much triggers an IGC, in-game cinematic, or interactive game cinematic. Wait, hold on, stop. Did. 
not covered by the gameplay system meaning yeah. you hit a you hit a, a generator and then the gameplay sister system triggers something else is that what you mean by that yeah like i just said by gameplay like walking running shooting dodging okay you know, okay the normal stuff whatever like basically on the stick like on your playstation control which as soon as you hit a button and the control is taken away from you yeah okay okay that's what we'd be doing outside of the cinematics you know okay so that's what we were doing so like when you climb up the See so, you know, the T Rex with Ellie, uh, that fight with the with the lunch lady there, the big big lady. Uh, when you're fighting Ellie and stuff, anytime there's an interact or like a fairly long custom animation that needs to be triggered, like IGCs would take over, you know. So that's different than melee or gameplay. So it's, okay. it's hard to say. Like that's probably a better question for the melee team because those guys cranked. A lot, so they were yeah. they were probably busting out a few animations a day, you know. Yes, easily. How many people are on? Are they kind of break it up to gameplay and in-game cinematics? I, I assume, as far as the team's concerned. Yeah, yeah. At least right now, I think with how big that team was, we had gameplay animators, a sort of gameplay department, NPC animators, uh, melee, IGCs cinematics and yeah i think that basically covers it and the workbench was like this sort of tertiary system you know okay so it's quite a bit <clears throat> we got another question in chat from ori do you have a recommendation for junior animators who want to work on video game animation uh yeah just uh learn as much as you can i mean i think from my experience between film and games, games love obviously cycled animation, but like depends on what type of, you know, it's a tough question because I think solidifying, having a really solid animation background with skill set is going to get you into either film or games or commercials, whatever. But gameplay, I think in the industry, gameplay animators, run cycles, attack cycles, deaths, uh, flinches, hits, reactions. Like, the industry needs really good gameplay animators. And that's not the same as doing, like, a cinematic, where it's very, like, this action needs to start in this frame and end on this frame. And it's not in the game, it's, it's a one-off. So I think, you know, if you want to get into the industry, like, really brush up those animation skills, study, 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 work, work, work as hard as you can, really grasp the animation <coughs> principles and fundamentals, and then, uh, you know, check out the studios that you want to work for one day and try to think about animations you can do in that style that you'd want to apply for, like Blizzard or uh, in, like, this case, Naughty Dog. It's just, you know, try to focus your reel on that, on, that, on that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a pretty a broad question. We could probably talk about it all night, but, you know, I can't stress enough, like, getting the fundamentals down. Yeah, I, I would agree. Fundamentals are key, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in the industry for either. Like, fundamentals, going back to it, is always something you can do. And speaking of, I was talking to Strauss about this before we jumped on to the stream. Um, I'm going back to school. I'm officially going to be looking into a class at Anim School coming up. And thank everybody from last week who gave me all the information about uh, accredited online animation school. So I'm going to be jumping into an animation class soon myself to keep my... Animation chops and fundamentals and all that good stuff up to par because uh, mm -hmm. we all need it No matter yeah. uh, how long you've been in the industry. No matter how new you are. It's always something to get a brush up on 
Um, another question we had was, um, do animations need to be polished? Uh, what is it? Do they have to be polished or just they, they just get into the engine first to test? Um, if I'm reading that right, Captivating Studio, I think it means, um, does it have to be polished for it to be in the engine first or can you just throw it in whenever to test it? Yeah, you could pretty much throw it in whenever you're ready to test it. You could have one frame over, I mean, one pose over 20 frames and toss it in. You know, uh, that's part of the thing we did on IDCs was we did do previs, you know. So we'd previs out the shot and then it'd be rough animation, but it gets it into the engine. It figures out some blend times possibly, make sure the character is in the right space in the world. And then uh, make sure we've got enough time. We understand what the camera's doing and then we, we go from there. <clears throat> and basically take that previs and go to the mocap stage, you know. Well, you getting previs on the 2D like storyboard side, or are they giving you 3D previs in the game? Yeah, 3D previs in the game. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is that how they always kind of do it? Is it always 3D previs, or do they start from a 2D like storyboard format? Uh, well, this is—I don't know what they did on past projects mm. in Naughty Dog, but you know, when I first got there, there was a pitch that you could watch uh, from Neil explaining the story, and then there were some visuals that go along with that. But it wasn't necessarily a storyboard that you'd expect, you know, every shot. It's basically like a one, two hour presentation of the, just the broad story and like goals of the game. Uh, but yeah, then we just, it's probably a better question suited for like the lead story guys, like how much they saw beforehand and started doing previous. But a lot of it is a back and forth with design and like the overall goal of that, that level and that story, that story moment. And a lot of it's just previs out come up with an idea based on where they are in the world and then uh, go from there. Let me ask you this with, with you coming in quote unquote, so late on the project, did you have a lot of creative input? You were able to give them like, Hey, I love the idea you guys have for this, but here's what I'm thinking. That's completely not what you guys have in previs. Were you able to do stuff like that when you wanted to, or is it kind of like you need to stick with the previs? You can kind of tweak and falter outside the lines here and there, or were they very nice with your ideas coming in as a, as a contractor? Uh, no, they're, they're pretty receptive to, to ideas. I mean, they, you know, I think by the time I came with how much work there was, you know, there was a lot to do. Okay. So it was like, if you had a cool idea and it works in the game, let's get it in the game. Let's look at it. Uh, directors like Neil and everybody would look at it. I think at least once a week or more. Oh, nice. Okay. And then, he was pretty you know, involved would, in. Yeah. So it's awesome. It's revolving. And then you can, quickly see what ideas work what don't yeah but we had we had some good rain i mean we had guidelines you know like don't you know the belly's fighting a bloater don't have her like swing off some monkey bars and do a triple lending you know let's keep it grounded but yeah it's uh that seems like something she could pull off i mean she's goddamn rambo at this point i feel like i literally yeah, yeah. like when i watched the first a technical what was it walkthrough they showed at e3 in 2019 where she goes through like that underground parking lot scene and just f's everybody up i'm like that is rambo first blood that is the first rambo movie right now she is rambo um, yeah, yeah that's awesome that's awesome you're able to kind of derail and add your creativity where you wanted to was there a uh i love the dinosaur moment you got to do uh for those not familiar with the with the shot go check out Strauss's demo reel which you should probably link in the chat if we haven't yet already. And then when I post this up on the vid, I'll put your your real information on there too. Uh, but with something like 
like that kind of moment where I guess it's more like an Easter egg moment. Was that more Easter egg moment considered? Or is that like a, a story point that they, that the designers wanted the player to get to and see? Yeah, I think it was a bit of a, like one of those, well, there is a trophy associated with the, with the T-Rex. If you do something specific involving hats and that's all i'm gonna say oh shit but, don't spoil it don't break it don't break it <laughs> it's just one of those little little nuggets but yeah it's i think it was one of those things that and I, I read some reactions on this that like some some players were like man it'd be so cool to go climb that t-rex and they walk over to it and realize they can't yeah like, holy shit i could yes you know, I think that's what they were <clears throat> that's what they were aiming for so it's like let the player discover it and like wonder and then try it you know? yeah now was that something they already had an idea to do when you came in and they were like hey here's our here's our thing we want her to climb this you figure out how she gets up there or did they already have the mocap data ready for you to go and be like here's the actor's portrayal of how they get up the dinosaur yeah i think when i got there i'm trying to remember they might have had something mocapped already uh, but then I think when we started working on it, if memory serves, they were like, yeah, I don't think that mocap's going to work because this T-Rex is really tall. Oh, okay. And the mocap takes the head, didn't quite cover it. So I think they reshot it. And I worked with uh, uh, Keon on that. Shout out to Keon, man. Dude's amazing. He's been there for like 15 years. Ooh. And he was the lead story guy on that that whole Ellie flashback museum. Uh, but he, he, you know... I worked closely with him on it and when we both realized that like these takes probably weren't going to cut it he was like yeah i can recommend we go reshoot that and then when they reshot it and he understood like the logistics like how much coverage they needed he's like when they came back it was like oh man this is great and then i had to like take all that and splice it together and you know it's basically like two or three different clips like one clip climbing up the first section another clip climbing up the second and then the top clips of her standing on top and doing her thing and then like the jump offs. So it was like a nice long stitch of like blending all this stuff together and polishing hand and feet contacts and, and all that. It was a lot, <laughs> but uh, I think it worked out in the end, but yeah, it's during that process, they gave me a lot of free reign, which is really cool. I can, I can geek out on this whole dinosaur thing for a minute. Let me look back at chat. I think there's a question in here. Yeah, um, what would a what would a studio look for in a gameplay animator? Would the demo reel need to be in engine, or could it be in whatever animation software you're working with to show walk, run, combat attacks, deaths, etc.? Yeah, I think whatever uh, whatever software you want to get it to you know the output to be is is great. Doesn't matter it's software wise. Like they want to see as far as gameplay animation, you know, solid body mechanics, uh, the understanding of cycles and loops and all that. Um, the the icing on the cake is if you do show it in Unreal, like Unreal Engine, if you put down that the final output is in Unreal, and if you show, say, a walk to a run to a death, not only are you showing like your animation skills, but that you can compile that into, you know, a game engine with proper blending. But that's like icing on the cake. The first step is always really, really solid animation. So I think that's the biggest key, but the plus is obviously like an Unreal Engine or something like that and showing that you can do a move set like that on your own. That's Shit, Charles, you made me think about something from my reel. Should I be putting on there that this X shot is done in an engine if it's like 
in-game footage from an engine. You think that would be helpful? Be like, hey, uh, this is an animation like... I'm responsible for character, clothing, and uh, importing or exporting into the engine, etc. Uh, maybe I need to put it on... Well, I think it always helps to put down like what you did specifically on your shots when you put okay. it up on your reel, like a little lower third or something. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't hurt, but like... I don't think you need to put down the engine. That's good to put in like your resume or like, you know, okay. like experience with Unreal, experience with whatever engine, like say Blizzard's using, you know. I ended up doing, um, I don't put what I animated on the shot on the actual demo reel movie. I send a separate document with a demo reel breakdown shot by shot, like yeah. with time signatures, et cetera, like a OCD madman. Um, no, so yeah, that's good. I'm curious now if I should kind of like mark if this is this was in StarCraft II engine, Unreal Engine, etc. That might be something to take note of. Um, another question: Do you recommend learn how to apply your animation on an engine like Unreal from Shadow? Yeah, I think he just answered that question pretty much. If you can put the animation into an engine um, on top of good animation, that's just going to be like the icing of the cherry on top, really, for the demo reel. Yeah, I, yeah. I know of a an animator that's working at Blizzard right now who her entire demo reel was like a a game demo where you load up the game and all her animations were on a character sitting in like just a, a regular scene and you click a button to see the run, you click a button to see the death, you click a button to see the walk. And that's they're awesome. like, yes, yeah, we like that. So that's one way to also stand out and be, uh, be different from the competition too. Mm -hmm. for sure for sure uh i got more questions about that dinosaur stuff so okay motion capture recording height matters or as far as like length of of footage so to speak matters because you need a certain amount of of time to make your sequence work um mm -hmm. are you animating if you're using maya or whatever in that software are you having using like proxy models that kind of quote unquote represent what you're looking at in the game and then yeah. once you animate to those proxy models, you're going back in the engine to make those contacts work, I imagine. Or you're kind of going back and forth between engine and software to make those minute contacts and hand poses work. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, we have, like, Naughty Dog has some amazing tools, man. And a lot of them are being able to pull assets right from the game and pull them right into Maya. And back and forth, you know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, hats off to those guys because they've got some kick-ass tools. So, like for the T Rex example, example, I could pull the T Rex model straight out of the game and bring it into Maya and load up Ellie. And within that scene, I've got you know a couple different model looks that I can load up, like the proxy version that's low res, and then all the way up to like the final, almost final look that you'd mm. see in game. Wow. And then I can toss it back into the engine and like, you know, my contacts are all set. I'm doing all that in Maya, but then I'll throw back in the engine to make sure that, you know, what I'm seeing in Maya is also in the game. So. Could you, in theory, throw like a, a locator in the engine and then export that locator or import that locator into Maya? So you're like, there's my contact point I need on the dinosaur right there because it's directly oh. from... It's giving you like that that point that position information in Maya to be like, okay, I need my hand here, and this will translate positionally back into the engine where I need it. Mm, not, not quite. Not really. Okay. I mean, there's there's, there's some... more finessing with <laughs> with it than yeah. that. 
there, there's some locator magic for sure. I can't talk. Like, I don't know how much I can talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, yeah, don't get sauce. Yeah, yeah, don't get into the third party stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we've got tools, man. Yes, yes. Again, tip your tech artists, ladies and gentlemen. Tech artists and engineers are uh, wonderful people. Is that? Sorry to jump ahead. I'm looking at chat. That one guy called Tay Cook, and I think I know who that is. So any insights for working with the time editor, he says. That sounds like something that you might be working with at, at uh, the job right now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that question, <laughs> Tay Cook. I yeah. don't have any idea who you are. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm glad he made it out to this. If he is who I think he is, uh, he's a fellow partner in crime on certain things. Beautiful. Well, welcome, Tay. We appreciate you for coming in. And if you got more questions for Aaron, throw it out, I say. Uh, time editor. So, yeah, man, it's... Uh, I'll be honest, when I got to Naughty Dog, I realized how much, like, when we did the... When they give you a test, they gave us a test, right? Like, Naughty Dog gives everybody a test. The, the, the parameters were taking mocap and, and, and editing it with time editor. That's what they recommended. Okay. And at the time, I'm, like, straight-up keyframe graph editor. Like, I hardly ever touch time editor. Yeah, I don't even know what the F a time editor is. You tell me what a time editor, graph editor, sure, dope shit. That sounds like a dope sheet to me, time editor. Yeah. No, it's actually, it's it's pretty, I, I like it now. Now that okay. I see what it can do, especially for mocap, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like, I mean, we had some problems with it, but overall, like, it works really well for, like, taking the whole baked out animation and taking another clip of animation and blending them together and you know stretching timing and warping it and stuff like that so it's 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 a time saver man when it comes to doing this stuff but as far as tips i think tate cook knows all the tips i know (laughs) (laughs) but uh i'm actually i'm starting to incorporate a little bit on my own personal stuff and i've got a lot of keys going on i was gonna say you're you're a believer in it it. now like i'll take all my keys and all my controls and like, ah, maybe I'll just like throw it in the time editor and start scaling stuff around. So it's it. something where you just grab uh, all rig controls, all keys, and then go to the time editor and start sliding stuff around? Yeah, yeah. Just basically bake it down to like a clip. Like, like, like if you're working in Premiere or like a video editor, Yeah, it's very much the same in that regard. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. I wanted to check that out too. That sounds fun and dangerous. It sounds like... Um, a little bit like Maya layers too, where you can get a little into deep waters without knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. you have to bake things down before you start playing with the time editor. You don't have to. Oh, okay. It just takes all all key data and just puts it into this like nice little clip form that you can slide things around and and edit with like you would a normal clip in like Premiere or something. Yes. Okay. See, we're getting Learn Mobu, Learn Motion Builder. Did you have to use Motion Builder? <laughs> Is that was one of the tools you had to use? No, no, but okay. yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I, yeah, same. It's one of those things on my list, like, man, I should really learn that. And then, you know, you lose track of time. Like, yeah, I didn't quite get to learn that. So. No. Too many things to do. How many mm-hmm. idle animations were made for either character and also as a gameplay animator in the industry, junior level... Is there chance to grow, learn more, and be mentored while working on a project? So I guess let's start with the first one. How many idle animations were made for, for a character, I'd say? Let's say for Ellie. Dude. Because they're all situational uh, too, right? Yeah. That's a good question for the the gameplay guys. Uh, how many idols? 
I think with like the, the level of detail they got at Naughty Dog, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a dozen different custom idols for just Ellie. And then there's there's stuff that they do on top of a, of an animation, which can further make them even more custom. Like if she's cold, right? It's cold outside. You might see her in game, like take her like take her hand and go. You know, that's something that's sort of on top of an idol that's being triggered in the in the engine. So it got pretty wild, but I wouldn't be surprised if they started with like close to a dozen idols. So they're calling just like a different motion capture animation file. It's like cold blow on fingers, whatever animation <clears throat> to play in whatever whatever setting that she's in on top of the idol animations that they've got twelve yeah. or thirteen of. Pretty much, yeah. You start with like a basic just like you know, weight shift idol just standing there. And then you can take that as your base and then add in like these custom per joint animations or per control of like, okay, I want to add from the waist up her like rubbing her hands. Yeah. And you can just play that and layer it up almost like the animation layers in, in Maya. You're just adding on top, you know? And the game engine voodoo handles all that and blends magic, it. Magic, baby, magic. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think you had a second part of this question. Yes. Um, I yeah. missed it now. Can you you can read it? Are you reading chat too? Yeah, something about uh, as a gameplay learn. animator in the industry, journal level. Yeah. Is there a chance to grow, grow, learn more, and be mentored while working on a project? Yeah, I think that 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 varies by studio. Mm. Yes, it does. <laughs> I think some studios are are really good with that, and some not so much, and. I'd probably put Naughty Dog in the middle, at least from my experience there. I learned a lot from the other guys, but at the same time, you know, they also expect you to be able to, to sort of take charge of what you're in charge of and take the ball and run. Yeah, yeah. And I think it also depends on what time of the project you're coming in at. If you're coming in super late, like people are just slammed, they don't have the time to really kind of sit down and mentor or, or walk you through things. But if you're starting at a company where the project's new, young, halfway through, I think that's a lot more um, doable and easier for people to kind of fit into their schedules that are, that are busy already. Because making yeah, video yeah. games is hard and takes a lot of damn time. Yeah. Well, one thing that was cool is uh, they opened up when we're done with the project. I'm sure it's the same at Blizzard. There's like a post-mortem period. You know? yeah. I think every most game studios do this, even at film and others. There's like a project's done. Let's wrap it let's look back and see what worked what didn't work yep so you know that's one thing they're cool about is that during the post-mortem i think parts of that came up with you know more learning tools and things like that for bringing people up to speed faster okay stuff like that so, well, that's good yeah i mean that's all and they want to hear it you know yeah because they want to keep getting better so. hopefully they they grow on the feedback's a big thing yeah yeah were all the animations done by mocap or was it half and half some mocap and some hand keyed and could you pot and could you name possibly three that were hand keyed oh okay captivating coming in with those questions man i like it uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> keeping it rolling baby keeping it rolling yeah, man. i'd say like majority of this especially on the cinematics well i can't speak for the sort of pre-render not pre-render but like the more higher fidelity cinematics I can't really speak to those guys, but you know, the vast majority of it is mocap. Like it all tends to start, you know, with previs and then go to the mocap stage, right? So you're probably hand keying previs, 
and then or cutting up some mocap that might exist already uh but then i think the melee guys probably did quite a bit of, of hand key and stuff um probably more than and well probably the gameplay guys too but they, it does start all from mocap so unless it's just something you can't do on a mocap stage yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, we know animators are touching every single mocap scene at the same time, right? Because yeah. I don't care how good the tech is, mocap is not 100% ready to go put an engine as you want it, as a as a creative, maybe even as a director wants it too, or the the stakeholders for that matter. Even if it's yeah, something yeah. simple or not, a, not a, a key story moment like the dinosaur is, but just a moment like that, there's a lot of hands in that soup to make that stuff work. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm saying like we're starting with that mocap. Oh yeah. And we're preserving a lot of it, but I can guarantee you every animator on the project was in there moving keys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you got to polish it up, like you're saying, foot contacts, fingers, uh, facial, uh, even adjusting body poses that didn't quite hit it. You know, we got to touch everything. It's. I'm glad that you said facial. Uh, yeah. Don't you think dirty chat? Don't you think dirty? Um, that, that, um, one of your co-workers that did all the facial setup that you recently, I think you retweeted his, his reel. Holy crap. How did, how was it knowing that that system was running, I'm going to say in the background, it's probably not running in the background. There's a lot of setup with that, but are there certain things you have to do as an animator to allow for a system like that to take over and work with your animations? Because for us, I'm going to give you an example of in StarCraft, when I was doing the face effects animations, which only is this being animated, um, all of the character animators can only animate the eyeballs. So I was trying to mimic the fierceness of what their eyes were doing to how big and expressive I made their mouths. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth and sometimes uncanny moments that happen because of that, because it's hard to have two animators animate one face. Um, were there situations like that yeah. happening with that type of system or was it all pretty seamless, so to speak? Uh, a little bit. It, it, yeah, that was a facial stuff. I guess we'll start. <laughs> I'll try to describe it as best I can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh Keith, Keith Paciello is a guy you're, you're talking about. Uh, he's like a just baller animator, dude. Dude is an animal. Uh, he like took on this whole emotional facial system. I mean, he, he had help from design and other other guys at the studio, but that's basically his baby. Uh, but we, we did have software at first. I can't remember the name of it, but if you put in some lines of dialogue, it tries to do it the best it can with mimicking like the right facial expression. And from when I, when I was working on some of the, my shots that had facial in it, uh, eh, you know, it wasn't, you couldn't just take it for like, oh yeah, that, that's final. Yeah, that done and good. done. Yeah, so there was, it was like, I take Off it. Off to the bar, like, boys. Yeah, just hit that <laughs> animate Export. face button and walk away. Make yeah. final build. So there was like, you know, we take that data in, we look at it, and I'd be like, ah, you know, it's good for timing. You know, if they're, they're speaking a lot, yeah. you get some of the job movements in there, like, okay, that works pretty well. But then we, I think almost every animator had to go in, especially on the IGCs, and then go in and like hand animate the face, you know, Whew. or, or have Keith help us out. And what he had done a lot of work, not just with his system that he made, was uh. making a facial library. 
So we'd pull stuff from Key's facial library okay, for like okay. certain phonemes and, and expressions. Mm -hmm. And that was, that like kind of, that saved us as well. So he's not only working on the systemic facial stuff, coming up with a facial library that all the animators could use. And then also doing the uh, cinematic work, like the bigger cinematic stuff. Like you saw his reel, that, that, that part at the end, well, maybe you haven't. Anyway, there's a yeah, conversation did... between Joel and Ellie. Okay, yeah. And that was that was uh, all the facial stuff is like, that's Keith. Holy. Know, and his his stuff. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, we're 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 keying those faces, you know. Yeah. And going up to Keith's office, Keith, um, <laughs> can we talk about your system for a minute? <laughs> I got some ideas yeah. about an expression I want to make. Um, yeah, <laughs> captivating. Yeah, Keith, Keith was amazing, man. Anytime I had a problem, like I, or it did not even like, not even like game or animation related. If I just wanted to, if I had issues with something, or if we just wanted to talk to somebody, like he was like a go-to guy. And I think we became you know pretty good friends on this show. But he's he's an amazing animator, man. Like the dude is fast in a workhorse. It's it's insane, man. It's Inspiring insane. to work with people like that. And yeah, scary. Yeah. You're like, God damn, I'm slow. So uh, if any of you guys in chat end up working for Naughty Dog as an animator, go say hi to Keith. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so hey, I've been told my animations good. are very stylized and my reel was good, but if I'm trying to get into studios like Naughty Dog or Sucker Punch or 343, do my animations have to be grounded and realistic or is stylized okay? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think... Definitely for Naughty Dog, three four three is doing the Halo stuff. Uh, Sucker Punch, it goes to Tsushima. Yeah, I, th I can understand why they would say that because I think, you know, if you're applying to let's say Naughty Dog and you have a very hyper real, hand keyed, stylized animation reel that might be more suited for like Blizzard. Uh, I think the guys at Naughty Dog will see your skill level, no matter what style you submit. But you also have to keep in mind, they have to think about, can this guy take realistic human motion that we mostly do and still take his knowledge and be able to output what we're looking for? So as long as they can see the fundamentals and how strong you are, it's just, you know, understanding animation, um, they will help. But it will help you more if your reel is um, designed more towards that studio what they're working on currently if yeah. if you know what they're working on currently yeah if you know like you know it's tough man i think good leads and good animation supervisors coupled with uh good hr people who know what they're looking for in a reel mm -hmm. can spot that like so even if you threw stuff at them that was very stylized they can be like wow this guy's timing and weight and all that stuff is like rock solid and if we give him a bunch of you know mocap human mocap stuff he can probably do it, you know. But with that said, it takes, you know, someone looking at your reel and understanding and, and seeing that, you know. So, like, for my reel, like, if I apply the blizzard, like, my first shot right now is that guy with the staff. That, to me, is a blizzard-style animation. And then the other stuff from the film side would be more, for, like, for Naughty Dog, you know. But right now it's a mix of stuff. I think still you hit the nail on the head. Like you still need to have the basics 
down bottom mechanics weight timing spacing all that needs to be solid and i think whatever style you're showing on your reel they're going to be able to see if you have a good knowledge of that yeah and i don't think they're going to hire anybody that doesn't um unless they've got the time and the and the, the time on the project to work with somebody to mold them into what they need yeah. um but ha i'd say most of the time you're going to want to come in there ready to go with body mechanics weight all that good stuff locked down so you can focus your time more on learning the style of the studio you're going to work for because they know you're not going to hit that that style first off i would imagine especially i mean if they're going to give you a test they're going to see how close you can get from there too um, but you're going to spend the first couple of weeks just kind of learning what the style is what how far to push things how far is too much what's not enough what breaks the models what looks bad in the engine looks good but again yeah, it all comes yeah. back down to those fundamentals for it sure. depends on how much you know if your reel is solid but it's not quite the style they're looking for how much the company is willing to uh like you're saying train that artist to be more like what they're looking for yeah some studios don't have that time at all no like, you know no and you might get lucky like we're um a mid-level animator is looking to become senior and need somebody to mentor and they're like hey we've got aaron who wants to be a senior um follow him for a year watch what he does talk to him and see how see and they can look and see how you mentor to make you a senior or whatever that goes it can work yeah. both ways hopefully uh from yeah, tay think, cook yeah. go ahead go ahead oh sorry i was just gonna say i don't think my reel is disney material no same no <laughs> i don't have i don't have any yeah. acting shots with really disney material at all no. Lip -sync i don't think stuff. disney's in the in the uh at least for their like full 3d pixar type stuff yeah they're not in the in the in the uh, market for being stabbed stabbing people in the neck yeah you never know you know <laughs> rated r rated r 3d animations are coming around i know there were some studios True. talking about it coming up doing some rated r films or more for yeah. adults just look at sausage party um <laughs> um oh, from tay cook where to go tay cook how important is being able to animate cameras should animators have a certain level of knowledge for filmmaking techniques and cinematic language that's a good one absolutely tay cook on the ball that's question. a good one uh yeah yeah definitely man it, i think you got to treat the camera as another character in your scenes and learning how to and studying cinematography and how cameras work is huge. Like there's something as a, there you go. And just got it, film shot by shot. Yeah, dude. Get that book. Get it, I'm still going through it cause I read slow as a motherfucker and I got two kids, but <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, gonna learn, you're gonna learn lots on here. You're gonna learn lots on there. Yeah, man. There's like, even when I'm watching shows and movies, um, some camera, camera shots, you just have to go wild with it cause it's impossible to get it, but as soon as I see a camera go nuts and like, I know that there's no way a boom machine, like a, a crane, whatever, a guy with a steady cam, there's no way they cap there's humanly possible to capture that shot like that. Mm. And it will, at least for me, like detract from the experience. So the more you can understand how to make a camera feel natural and, you know, depending on the studio, make it fit within the realm of the style that you're working on, like, it's it's pretty big i think i think a lot of well at least back in the day a lot of schools focus on just the animation yep. not a lot on the cameras and making a short it's, film yeah yeah aj hit it heavy cameras 
mimic a heavy camera. Those things are not light to move around. No. They don't whip and pan that quick. It's not easy to do. <laughs> no. No, I've got man. plenty of like old Star Wars animations of my camera going all through space. You know, we've all we've all done it for sure. For sure. In fact, yeah. I need to relook up a camera I'm doing currently, zooming through those that cave. Dude. I got some ideas about some cuts I want to do instead of zooming through it. It was so important that uh, at Naughty Dog on this game, they had guys doing cameras for it. Like, we do, a lot of the story animators would animate the camera to begin with and get it really close to almost like what it needs to be. But then they do another pass with uh, some camera guys uh, like Matt Neapolitan and, and Gambino and Ryan Chan and those guys, shout out. Uh, they come in and work with us when, on the in-game cinematic stuff. And when we got it to like almost 90, almost complete, they go in, grab the camera and plus it up, you know? Mm. But we still had to start with that, that knowledge, like that camera knowledge. Like that's a huge, especially at Naughty Dog, that's huge. If you're going to the story team or the cinematic team, like knowing your cameras is like a huge plus and something they're probably going to look for, you know? Now, are you using, are those cameras pretty much set up for you when you get the previs or you still got to go back and kind of pop you, you're none of those are set up. You got to yeah. set up everything. At least for what, for me, like it, it might be, that might've happened before I got there on other projects, but at least for this project, it was like, again, grab the camera, like get to a spot in the game where this IGC is going to kick off and grab the pose that Ellie or Abby's in and the camera and bring it into Maya. So you have a starting point and then you can also do the same thing for the end point. And then you're in charge, everything in between, but yeah, getting the camera to feel natural was a big thing. And then they had, when I first got there in the documents, they had a style guide of like, when you're playing as Ellie, this is kind of what we're thinking the camera should feel like. But when you're playing as Abby, the camera should kind of feel like this. So again, it goes back to like making the camera feel like a character, you know? Ah. So. That's cool to kind of have reference to as you're working on stuff. I didn't even think about yeah. using the camera as a character. Well, I mean, I try to, like, when I'm animating shots, I try to think of it, I'm, like, conscious, like, okay, if this is a Steadicam shot, can the Steadicam operator, i.e. a human, do this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Or if it's a boom shot with a crane, you know, what are, what are my limitations here, you know? So it's and always that, good to think about. And that's awesome, your, your film experience comes in handy for that type of thing too i'm sure yeah yeah definitely i mean study it up man i mean the great thing about eating an animator or the curse is uh studying motion and yeah. when you're watching movies like if you're watching a movie like take a second to like analyze why the cinematography looks so appealing in that shot like what did they do like how did they frame the shot like you know like, did you, all right, a good example. If anyone in chat watched Mr. Robot, like the cinematography and the style in that show is like off the hook. And it made you feel uncomfortable and, and, and like surreal because of the way they framed it. Like not just the story and the acting, but like they put like the like someone's head, like see if I can get this right, like lower thirds corner sometimes. And you had all this space. Yeah, and yeah. It just it, it it screws with you, you know. But that was intentional, you know. So, anyway, stuff to think about when you when you're animating your stuff. Yep. Every you shot is for a purpose. Stuff. Every shot is for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of uh, ruined movies for my wife, and I told her that like, when you're watching a movie, when they're showing you something, they're showing you something for a reason. 
And it's going to come back to that later on. She's like, no, it's just a, a random added shot they just threw in there. Like, no, they're showing that object because they're going to come back to it in like a half an hour from now. Remember that shot. <laughs> just yeah. stuff like that. I'd say the biggest thing too, real quick, as like a as a pro tip, is learn the 180 rule with cameras mm -hmm. at the very least, please. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. And like look it up in the book, but like that's, I mean, some it's not a hard fast rule, but most cinematography goes by that. And there's ways where you can break that rule, but the 180 rule is is a big one. Yeah, and if um, if you're familiar with Sir Wade effects on YouTube, he just put out a awesome video about cameras in 3D, and he covers the 180 rule in that video too. Go check that out; it's really good. Um, another question in chat: We've got um, is one person tailored for one character animation? Uh, for instance, if I was working on Last of Us 2, would I be tasked for all of Ellie gameplay animation, or would be tasked to be like? To work on locomotive animations, etc. Uh, that's yeah, that's probably a question better suited for the gameplay guys. But from what I saw, I think uh, I think it, I think the gameplay team was fairly small, and I think they had to handle all the characters. So, with that said, I think they broke it up more into like the types of movement that were needed, the boob steps. You know, like we need. Ellie to be pushing this big dumpster. So you're going to get all those animations. Well, guess what? Abby needs to do those too. So because you did Ellie, how about you do Abby? You know, stuff like that. So Congrats, you're a dumpster animator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, all that schooling. Out. Congrats, you're some dumpsters. Go push them. <laughs> Dude, I got I to gotta shout out Michael Ha, who was a gameplay animator and fantastic dude. Great animator. I'll see if I can't find his reel later. But, dude... We were joking because he did like a ton of hit reactions. Whenever you get hit by anything, guns, bullets, two by fours, he oh, was man. probably the guy who did it, you know? So we were joking that he would have to do his reel of hit reactions. Just, <laughs> Jordan! <laughs> that would be his reel, you know? But the dude like nailed it, you know? But Five he, minutes he of hit reactions. <laughs> But yeah, man, it's hilarious. We joke about it. We wouldn't give him shit for it, but like it was, he, he knocked it out of the park still. But like he was the hit reaction guy, you know? Yeah. Captivating to kind of go along with that question too. I know um, cinematics hires for specific types of animators. Like if they need somebody who's awesome at body mechanics for these action pre-rendered shots they've got coming up or if they know they've got like Diablo 4 they've got a bunch of up close really subtle acting shots they're going to find somebody who's really good at up close acting shots and they're real um, studios do sometimes hire for specific animators or um, Disney is still very individualistic where like they do supervising character animators where like this animator is responsible for all the shots that Olaf's in or is responsible for making sure Olaf stays in character for the whole film, etc. I think that's kind of a one-off thing that, that he might be touching on too. But that doesn't really happen in games that I've seen. Like, no one's really You're the Ellie animation supervisor, I don't think is a thing. But there probably is people like a game, a lead gameplay animator whose responsibility is to make sure that Ellie looks as dope and badass through the entire game. And all animations that go into her kit represent the character that she's supposed to be in the design documents etc mm -hmm. 
So there's someone that's kind of responsible for those little tidbits, but you're not going to be like, you're only animating Ellie, you're only animating Abby, etc. Yeah. Or yeah, for, yeah. for Straw's sake, you're only animating Workbench. That's the only thing you're going to animate <laughs> for yeah, the yeah. entirety of time. Let's talk about that Workbench, Straws. Let's talk about it. Sure, man. What do you want to know? I want to know how many animations total you think you put into that Workbench. Well, yeah, it wasn't just me. Shout out again to Darren and the, the San Diego team and the other guys and the story department who helped out. But yeah, that was, I think that was a system that might have gone under the radar as not having to be that big or it required that much effort and people time. And then yeah. it ballooned and we're like, okay, this is going to need some serious love because you want to get it, you know, they want to get to that Naughty Dog level of quality. So there was a lot, man. There was... I think one thing that was on the docket almost to the very end was Abby's flamethrower. Oh. And that thing is massive. And then me and the designer guy, uh, Derek, were just like, please God, let's just make sure they don't decide to put the, the flamethrower as, as another weapon that you can upgrade. Uh, see, you <laughs> put it in the air. <laughs> Did it happen? Did it end up in the upgrade workbench? No, man. Oh, thank man. God. Uh, I mean, Abby has already had a lot of weapons but we tried to keep it very similar to ellie as far as the amount and how many upgrades so there's dude there was i think five weapons per character abby and ellie and then each weapon had anywhere from three to four upgrades oh wow and then within that let's say you upgrade the magazine and the rifle first right that means when you go back to the workbench you have to incorporate the taking out of the magazine animation and then upgrade the rest of the gun versus if you didn't have the magazine. So then there's like variations within that. So hundreds, oh, man, hundreds. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm just thinking about that now. Cause if they upgrade in a certain part that is required to take like a casing that isn't upgraded, but they upgraded the magazine. You got to come back to that and swap the variation. Oh my God. Straws. Yeah. So I'm sure there was a, a hierarchy or a tree that you had to follow so you didn't miss anything like those type of special case situations but <laughs> but did were there a certain amount of weapons going in that you knew you were gonna have to animate and then by the end you're like let me add 10 more did that kind of like pop in at the last minute uh mm, a little bit i mean most of it was planned out really well i think the big thing was like you know, okay, we are going to do this weapon or we're not going to do this weapon. If we are going to do this weapon, how many upgrades? What is she going to upgrade? And that was a lot of back and forth with uh, the foreground prop guys too. Like, you know, they got to do all the models, the textures and all that. So we had to like have a plan in place. Be like, okay, she's going to up, up, upgrade this uh, revolver. What's it going to look like through the different stages and what mm -hmm. parts is she upgrading? Mm -hmm. And then once we had that nailed down, then we could be like, okay, let's go capture this look up some reference, pre-visit a little bit and figure out exactly how to do that on stage. And not like when I was looking up YouTube ref for how to change the barrel of a rifle, mm. <laughs> it's definitely not like that in the game. Yeah. You need, there's like 50 different parts and the guy's got like a, whatever they call it on like the big workbench or like a, a vice grip, basically like all that stuff. And we didn't, you know, obviously there's no, the player's not going to sit there. Yeah, for a half hour. So you gotta you gotta customize a lot. 
But yeah, like I think one a good example is like the revolver with Ellie. I don't remember exactly what was captured, but it was the speed loader upgrade. So like with the speed loader, normally you're putting bullets in one at a time, right? In the chamber. Yeah. And then you just cock it and roll it, whatever. But with the speed loader, you preload these little things. That's like a little cylinder. Yeah. So all you gotta six. do is load it in, press the button, loads all the bullets in, take it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one started mocap. But for that one, it started mocap, wasn't quite working. I was like, okay, time to keyframe. So from that one, it was like, I start with the mocap in the beginning. And because this was pretty custom, I was like, all right, time to keyframe her going into her pocket, pulling out this random revolver clip yeah. and then putting it in, like hand keying all this stuff, pulling it out and like kind of pretending this goes wherever. Somewhere, yeah. And then doing this, you know, and then you're back into more mocap of her going back into another transitioning you know? so it was a mixed bag it was you know if it didn't work on the stage or wasn't working in the game then sometimes we'd have to just key it you know yeah when in doubt just key it just yeah. on ones all the way through <laughs> like i, I have Drew's to imagine <laughs> i give you i was talking about this when you when uh you show me your reel but like the moment those brushes went into the barrel of the uh, shotgun or the rifle how <laughs> <laughs> how do we pull yeah. off the brushes straws how do we pull off the brushes without going insane yeah did they turn off and on did the bristles turn off and on where you like right when it hits the tip of the uh the rifle you'd be like nope key off and then now yeah. it's through you just shrunk them scaled them down no let them clip was, didn't that was care. like you know yeah 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 <laughs> And making sure, like, you know, Taylor, Tay Cook is saying, man, yay for keying on ones. Like, yes. that stuff, that, that was that was once. That was, like, every frame, I got to make sure the bristles don't pop through the barrel. Oh, my God. Straw sitting there. Whoever came up with the idea for this brush? Whoever <laughs> came up with the idea for this brush? Yeah. Oh, Yeah, dude, that was, that was a rough one, but. It pays off in the end, you know. No, it looked I mean, great. You, know, you, you do you get in the middle of a shot and you're like, God, this is a lot of work. But you know, if it turns out great, then you're like, well, it was worth it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, another question: How early did you guys have to be at work every single day, and what did you have, and what did you have off, if any? And also, are you able to take vacation days while the pro project is in process, or no? Uh, that's a great question. A little. Uh, that's a tricky one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So how early did we get in? I think most, I think every studio is different, but at Naughty Dog, I think most everybody was there by 10. Uh, I tried to get in by like 930 because I wanted to get out, you know, at a decent hour. But most, most people were there between 10 a.m. to at least 7, 8 o'clock. Uh, but yeah, that, that kind of leads into a tricky question because there's, you know, there was a lot of crunch, there's no doubt. And I, I think that's one thing I learned coming coming from film is like we crunch on film, sure, but uh, it's not for super long extended amounts of time. And I can't say this is like this. It doesn't sound like it's like this at Blizzard or maybe not even other game studios, but I've heard of crunch in the games industry as a whole. And this, this crunch was different in the fact that it was so long. So like, as we talked about before, I think, you know, I was doing 60 hours a week, uh, most Saturdays as well for at least a solid six months or more. 
Take Cook could back me up on this, but it's something like that. And there were guys who were extremely dedicated and passionate doing way more. So, you know, it's, it's, it was tough, but you know, yeah, as far I, as days off go as a contractor, it's very different than if you're full time. Take Cook says, how about a year? That hurts my soul. Um, <laughs> I'd like to personally think EA, uh, prior to 2008 because after the ea thing happened where like those lawsuits started popping up for not getting paid for overtime um we didn't see crunches anytime after that straws now when i first got hired at blizzard um i got i joined in right at the end of um wow vanilla which was crunch time and um i had to do ungodly hours of crunch for that game which as a 21 year old at the time i didn't mind because i had the energy to do it but I couldn't pull something like that off again right now where I'm at. And I, I haven't seen a crunch like that in, I want to say, over eight, nine years. It's been a long time. And I think production's really kind of stepped up at our studio to make sure that shit doesn't happen anymore. Because they know you can only do that so long before diminishing returns happen, right? I mean, you can only yeah. work so many hours before you're not working at your top notch or at the top epic naughty dogness that you need to be working at to make that shit look good. Um, yeah. but when at the same time, when the studio has already made that date, it's releasing here for the public, that public expects that game to be done at that time. And sometimes you've got no choice, but to work on that God awful OT schedule. Yeah, it was, uh, at least for Naughty Dog and like, you know, there's like, at least talking about Naughty Dog, like I'm not trying to be super negative, but, uh, I think it's very open-ended there. Like you are you are, you know, expected to hit a high quality because that's like the bar they've set and that's who they are. That's how they have the reputation of like, just like top tier, like level of work, right? Yeah. But they're also open-ended with how much you want to put in. Like they're not gonna, they're like, you know, it's a tough question because they don't want to hinder anyone from detracting their experience and how much passion they want to put into it. Yeah. So if somebody wants to be there for 12, 14 hours a day, you know, and that's kind bless of your heart. For- bless your heart. Especially yeah. if your salary too, and you're not making that overtime money to, to, to compensate yeah. for it. Well, that's, I mean, we were getting paid OT. So, okay. Well, that's like, good. Even yeah, if you were salary, sure. that's good. That's, that's actually fantastic. Hopefully it's a, yeah, it's a little bit different between salary and, and like, as a con, like, so I, I'm still a contractor, so I get paid OT and then every hour and salary, I think is a little bit different. Okay. Uh, but they have other perks. Let's put it that way. Are you, doing are you more clocking in and out? You know? Keeping track of your hours as you work then as a contractor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I gotta, so can... We got to clock our hours you know, okay. for payroll. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so as far as, like, uh, Captivating Studios' question about time off, uh, I think, yeah, we, we do get sick days, but there's no – it's a little bit different from what I remember. Like, you're not accruing, like, vacation days, per se. Mm. Like, a staff person has – so many per year and they can accrue yeah. it i guess i won't tell you how much i accrue yeah that's yeah after after 10 years we get six six hours we accrue every paycheck Wait. so we got yeah we get six hours of vacation time i think is the yeah six hours like i get every two weeks of accrual okay that's that's really good that's nice <laughs> but it took me 10 years to get to that point I think prior to that, I think it's like four hours you get every two weeks or somewhere, yeah. somewhere in that range. 
Yeah, yeah. It varies I mean, on the studios. Yeah, so like we were saying, like when the OT was there, like the OT money was good. We're getting paid every hour. We're getting paid time and a half. That's you know, great. They took care of us on that end. So as a contractor, if you go and you do an OT at Naughty Dog, you're going to get paid. You know, and I think that's, at least in the US, from what I know, that should be the case at most places. Yeah. And no time to spend that money either. Well, that's a trade off. <laughs> <laughs> no time to spend that money, except for on yeah. chiropractors afterwards. Yeah. Well, on a positive note, like I said, with the postmortems, that was a, you know, that's a big concern by a lot of people. So sure. they hear everybody now and they're like, we want to fix this. So, you know, they're, they're taking strides to improve that. So that's good. That's a rough one. Cause there, I felt like, you know, there's so much quote unquote writing on the last of us part two, the last of us one was such a damn hit and so big, like yeah. it's hard not to, I'm sure nervousness out of out of anything helps run that ot train too like hey we need the hours because we don't know if it's gonna hit the bar that we want or the numbers that we're looking for either mm-hmm. um i didn't think about until i got five years into the industry thinking about numbers and unit sales and how much that affects scheduling and the creatives timeline and how much time you get to work on your piece of the pie um with you coming in at the end of the project again, did you feel like your timelines on, on animation were kind of cut short or did you feel like you had enough time to work on what you, what you had, what you, what you were tasked to work on overall? Yeah. I think the overall vibe in the studio is we need more time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah always, always. Yeah. You know, we had a, a press demo in the summer. I think it was just, or summer fall somewhere around there and it was we took a slice you know vertical slice of the game which i think was like rescue jesse and one other part i can't remember and that was like all hands on deck the whole studio let's get this part of the game up to the quality that we expect for the rest of the game yeah and that was a huge eye-opener i think for like wow okay this took it took this long in the whole studio with a lot of help to get it up to here on this little slice like, you know, that was a big eye opener to see like, okay, <laughs> yeah. if we want to get the rest of the game to be this level, you know, it's going to take a lot more time and effort and maybe a delay or two, you know, some people saw that coming, you know, how many people on the team? Dude, it was, I think they ballooned up. I don't know the exact numbers, but at the office, I think we had three to 400. Yes, sir somewhere in that range and then uh san diego visual arts group was helping us and i think i had heard i don't know if this is true but other qa spots you know so adding that all up i, I would be surprised if they had about five to six hundred people holy you know? I, I mean, i'm guessing but you know, <laughs> baby at least, yeah. at least at the office there was three to four hundred people man no I'm wonder sure. why they had the red hot chili peppers come and play next to you guys um, oh yeah, I wish that was that wasn't for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how would you approach an attack animation for, let's say, Abby? Do you shoot the reference, or was it already mo-capped and you just do the cleanup? Uh, that's a better question for uh, Lee and those melee guys. Jesse, shout out to Sean and 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 then Gomez and those guys. Uh, but Lee was like the lead melee guy and. I'm pretty sure he blocked out some stuff and he's responsible for going down the mocap stage and shooting it. And the guys they got for the mocap shoot were pretty, 
pretty fit guys who I think were also stunt guys, from what I heard. Just oh. I'd, I'd heard, and they would work with Lee. Like Lee's like, I got this idea. I want to do this for Abby or Joel or whoever. And they'd be like, okay, cool. And they'd start it and they'd mess with it and then they'd iterate. And they're like, the mocap, uh, the uh, the stunt guys might come in with some some feedback. Like, let's try this. This might look better, you know, from my understanding. So it was a lot of back and forth between the lead melee animator and the actual stage actors, and then you know, seeing what looks good in game when they finally get it back. So. And I imagine the leads, the lead animators of each team are are at those shoots too to make sure they get the yeah. the stuff they're looking for. Oh yeah, yep. Thank Pretty God much. this all happened pre-COVID, ladies and gentlemen. The Last of Us Two might have been pushed <laughs> back another fucking year and a half, and then uh, the internet would rage even more. Oh yeah. my God! You know, totally tangent, maybe a broken tangent, but like thinking about that now, how many studios that that had planned to release this year and if those studios were using primarily motion capture for their animation pipeline like how sol up Shit's creek without a paddle they are right now because how is that how is motion capture studios going to work now especially if you're going to have actors that need to interact like that's yeah. all i'm kind of curious where we're going to be to 2021 and mm -hmm. um, how we're going to adapt to that type of thing yeah, it's it's nuts, man. If yeah, the timing could have been terrible. Absolutely. Luckily, all our mocap was shot by the time. Yeah. Kind of ramped up. Yeah, peace you out. Because literally two weeks after we went, we were sent home. We had a release for Hearthstone, so they were like, "Hey, here's where we show them. Can we work from home or not? <laughs> if we if we, this if this release doesn't go too well, well, you better start looking for a new job." But. Luckily, we yeah. were able to prove, like, we can do this from home. Yes, it takes a lot more effort and emails and IMs, but we can do it from home. And that was the beginning of the end. I think we've now shut ourselves in the foot. Oh, you can do that. What else can you guys do from home? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Thomas, uh, 937 sounds like my half year. That sounds pretty good, though. I guess no vacation days is kind of yikes, but that's also kind of standard, right? I think it depends yeah. on where you're coming from, Thomas. If you're a contractor, if you're a full-time employee, it's all kind of different. In Straw's case, it's the contractor where they may have a set amount of days they can take off for their contract. Yeah. And they might only have a set amount of days for sick time, too. For, but Straw's can get into that. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I think every studio handles it differently. But in general, contractors, you know, an hour worked is an hour paid. And if you're not working, you're not getting paid. So... And some studios might have a buffer in there, like they'll cover sick days. You can take paid, paid sick days off. And then some might even go as far as letting you accrue vacation time. Mm -hmm. Or it might be written up front that like you already have when you sign up, like five days of vacation time, you know, built into your contract. It all depends. And for those of you guys coming up and trying to get jobs, that's worth negotiating with each studio. If you're a contractor, like ask the question, and fight for it if you got to like if you don't fight for it ask for it you're definitely not going to get it so mm -hmm. you, you don't ask for it they're not going to give it to you absolutely and they're not going to bring it up no <laughs> and in, one thing that you always forget interview is you're interviewing them at the same time they're inter interviewing you like ask yeah. the questions you want to know about the studio you're applying for even yeah. if they're uncomfortable questions so to speak like, are you still in my office type of questions. Um, <laughs> have you ever worked with an animator from Mexico or any other part of Latin America? 
Yeah, man. Uh, I worked in animators from in everywhere, man. Mm -hmm. Like it's a melting pot. Uh, animators from France, uh, definitely from Latin America, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, let's see where else? I think uh, Korea, mm -hmm. Japan. Like I mean, it's just all over, man. You know. LA, I mean, LA especially is a melting pot. So you're going to get a random group of people and most companies just want the best talent. It doesn't really matter where they're from. And I hope now with uh, the work from home thing, it'd be even a bigger melting pot since we yeah. all have to remote in and they can be a little more global that way. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, this, like we were talking about earlier with this, as much as it sucks that, you know, what's happening with Corona and COVID and all that stuff. I think as far as working from home for artists, we're getting a bit more empowered in the fact that, you know, at least on the film side and most like bigger studios, like there's a big security risk. That was always the, uh, the go-to, like we can't have you work from home because of security reasons. And it is, it's a valid point for sure. But you know, now that it's been proven that it can work and still be secure, well, that changes things a bit. So I yeah. think more studios are going to look for people who are flexible in that way that can not only work in a studio if they needed to, but can work from home if like, God forbid, another pandemic hit, you know, right. or whatever, you know? So I think times are changing a bit, especially with like the, uh, the sort of bigger brick and mortar style, style studios. I think the studios that are lean and mean and can flex are going to kind of come out on top in the next few years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do with all the buildings that we have. Straws. <laughs> Blizzard has like 23 or 24 something buildings. And I'm like, I I don't know how you're going to socially distance everybody in this situation. But yeah, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. Dude, um, shout out to some of these names real quick. Thomas, go random. And, and then Agchi's in here too, man. I haven't seen you guys in a minute. Just wanted to say good to see you guys it has been a while we got the whole crew in here tonight representing thank you all yeah, for man. coming out i think i saw a unit in there too what's yeah, up unit nitro it's in there too and sam you said come on down to to uh, new zealand they can do all the mocap there no problem yeah no problem <laughs> <laughs> just a hop skip and a jump away we'll be there Stop soon sam <laughs> i hope you've got sleeping bags ready Funny, I'll be back in about three uh, months. <laughs> where'd you go? Nowhere in particular. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. I uh, got that. Got that. When studios start hiring for animators, as far as pipeline is concerned, um, or are animators already working on animations for the characters at the beginning of the project? Uh, when do when do studios start hiring for animators? as far as the pipeline is concerned. Okay, okay. Um, oh, I, see. I think it, I could kind of start answering this one, Straws. Um, sure. From what I've seen captivating, what happens is usually they'll make the backbone of the game first, which is typically the engine. So you'll see engineers and programmers and software developers get hired into the team first. Senior production, senior directors. Um, typically from there, they'll start hiring leads lead animators lead modelers lead artists lead whatever to kind of start fleshing out their aspects of the game and then it kind of trickles down from there seniors get hired then mid-levels then associates etc that's just what i've seen from my experience though yeah yeah no, that's about right i mean yeah as far as like the pipeline goes i mean 
you could have an animator start pre-vision. You could have an animator start doing style, like a style guide, sort of like how does this creature character move? Uh, yeah. You can start that pretty early before shots are even ready to get worked on. But, you know, it depends on, it always comes down to budget, yeah. time and money. If they got enough money to keep an animator on there and not actually put anything into an engine until that engine is built, sure, they could do it. Yeah. I typically yeah. see make sure that engine's built and then they'll throw an animator in there and be like, what can you do with this thing we made? Go break yeah. it. Now, there's also this beautiful thing, at least on the film and commercial side of, of pitching. Pitching day, you can get the job in the door. Mm. And a lot of that can involve uh, doing small test animations with, uh, as an example, at Method, they, we did some pitch stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they had guys working on Groot and... Um, rocket raccoon to try mm. and like like hey we can prove that we can do this and here's a here's a sample you know <clears throat> so that that could even start even before the show is even in the door you know you touched on some of my favorite stuff on your reel which is superhero shit um yeah. and you've got one of my favorite shots of uh winter soldier captain america and iron man fighting each other um and it's the shot where iron man's knelt down cap throws the shield that bounces off the shit and winter soldier catches it off the choreography on that shot still boggles my mind um (laughs) can you talk about how different the process is animating something like that compared to animating uh, a sequence like climbing up the dinosaur yeah. You don't have to go into uh, too much detail. I know it's a lot of detail, but you can kind of broad stroke it. Yeah, yeah. Well, right off the bat, it's a Marvel show because, or, or so they, they're like, this is what it needs to look like. Here's the plate with the stunt guy. And we spent a lot of time shooting this, and then we like this. So try to make it look like this. Ah, know? no wiggle room. Yeah, yeah I mean, we had, we had wiggle room, but it wasn't as much as, like, a wiggle room as, as I had at Naughty Dog. So, like... If I had a good idea with something at Naughty Dog and saying, or saying, hey, this isn't really working, and I'd show it, like there's way more wiggle room at Naughty Dog than it was on like Marvel stuff. Marvel is very particular, and I could talk hours about some of that stuff. But uh, yeah, so in the case of that shot, the particular one was like how Iron Man gets up off the ground. And yeah. We went around the horn on that a few times. I probably did about 10 different versions of him getting up like Iron Man like not a dude in a in a, in a half Iron Man suit on, on set the stunt guy and like we had an idea of like he uses his hand repulsor to push himself up and get just a little airborne you know mm-hmm. like he had one busted and one worked but the one he's pushing off of still works so we could use that get a little bit of height and then just come right at Bucky with that Superman punch you know and like that triggers his miss to like have him spin and get that weight in there you know and so we showed it to, to those Marvel peeps. And like almost any time <laughs> we deviated from that ground up, they're like, please go back to the uh, stuntman reference. And uh, we'd love to go from there. <laughs> so, Thank you for your time and effort and what you thought was a cool idea. But don't fuck yeah. around. Stick with the previs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was cool. And, you know, it was amazing to work on that shot and a lot of fun. But at the same time, I wish... We had more say. Yeah. But who are we to say and argue with 
a billion dollar franchise. No, and I tell you what, Straws, that shot was in the trailer that I saw for that movie before I even knew you. And that shot sold me the fuck on that movie. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go see that in the theater for sure. Because that was such a, just an epic moment for me to see. Um, you nailed it, son. You nailed it. Thanks, man. All the, yeah, all the was, hard uh, work was well. And for those of you guys wondering, some people have asked me is if that was mocapped. And that is not mocapped. That is hand keyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is reference, obviously, from the stunt guy on the plate. But that is not mocapped. That's all. I had three maybe four frames of a match move pose from our tracking department. And then the rest was hand-key stuff. So it's three or four frames. That's all you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh yeah. This is helpful. Thanks guys. Thanks for the three or four frames. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was, it was a lot of fun to work on it, man. I'm, I was, I got really lucky and I'm super thankful that I got to work on that shot because as a kid growing up, man, and I'm still a comic book geek, even though I don't have the time or money to buy them anymore. Uh, yeah, dude, it was like, you know, a kid, like a little fantasy come true. Like, not only did I want to grow up and like draw comics and read them and all that stuff, but now I get to like animate Iron Man. Like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, that was fun, you know. But bucket list. Would I have loved to have made him look more badass? Yeah, of course. See, to me, I thought in that shot in particular, he wasn't meant to look badass. He was getting beat yeah. up by his two friends, and his two friends looked badass doing it. And he was just like, oh, yeah. please stop. Please, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, think you guys, I think you guys nailed that feeling to me, but I'm not the director. I'm not getting paid that money. Do you yeah. prefer contractor or being employed by a studio? And when you're a contractor, do you demand more pay than you would if you were employed by the studio full time? Hey, that's a good question. Yeah, I think I know the I think answer. A good the first part. Rule of thumb is uh, contractors. You should get paid more per hour because most, at least in the U.S., I don't know how it is outside of like Canada and UK. Uh, the way our lovely system is set up here in the U.S., um, typically you're not going to have health insurance unless you pay out of pocket. So, as a freelancer, you need to calculate um, and a contract. You need to ca- calculate your living expenses and that includes health insurance blah 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 and typically a staffer has that built into their salary so if you look at it like as a per hour rate a contractor will probably get paid more typically but a salary person doesn't have to worry about their health benefits or retirement matching or you know things like that so you need to like calculate all that stuff so where i am in life right now with a family uh Having a full-time career where, or a full-time job spot with uh, health benefits and a retirement plan is huge. But with that said, if you're smart about it, I can argue for a higher rate to offset that cost, you know? So as of right now, the high dollar rate is great as a contractor and it seems like a lot of money, but it's all going somewhere. So I guess like being a salary guy full-time is sort of like peace of mind. You know, you don't have to worry about that as much. Yeah, the biggest thing is benefits too. Like like Charles yeah. pointed out, your regular full time employee, the studio plays for your benefits. <clears throat> and I learned um, this is the first team that I've had to deal with contractors like on a somewhat lead basis. And I didn't realize that contractors can technically sue if they feel like they're doing the job of a full time employee, but not being made a full time employee. So you have to make a distinct line as a company on what contractors can do and have 
versus what full-time employees can do and have. For example, Blizzard, like all these cool little gifts and swag shit that we get, contractors do not get that because that's a perk for full-time mm. employees only, and they have to draw that that line, that distinction of what makes you a contractor versus a full-time employee. Uh, in which, as a full-time employee, I, you know, when I first got into Blizzard, we didn't have contractors. Everyone was hired full-time forever. And it wasn't until we got big and everything blew up that we needed contractors. So I wasn't really familiar with that territory. And seeing it from that end really kind of sucked. Like, I want to share my swag with you. Like, this isn't fair, I feel like. But I see from the company side why they have to do that for legality reasons, etc. Yeah, well... Every studio is different, man. I can't yeah. say at Naughty Dog we got lots of swag as contractors and okay. the whole company. Yeah, yeah. But like you know, uh, <clears throat> but they gave it to the uh, yeah, and, but they uh, gave it to the whole company, stuff. right? It wasn't just like, hey, full time employees, here's your here's your gift for working on this on the studio. Sorry, contractors, you know we worked on this. We're gonna put you in the credit list, but we didn't get <laughs> yeah. you get you one of those cool pieces of technology at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's they, that on that front, like Naughty Dog and Sony have been really great as far as trying to make everyone feel pretty equal. Yeah, you know, as far as that stuff goes. Yeah, yeah that's not that's not everywhere, everybody. That's hard to find sometimes. Yeah, I think I literally, I was joking with some of the guys that like we got so many T-shirts. I was like, can I get one T-shirt for every day of the week on this job? <laughs> and I, I think we pulled it off. I think I ended up getting about five T-shirts. So oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> That was nice, you know. Your whole week of Naughty Dog on your shirt. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, basically, I was joking with uh, Mr. Tay Cook there. Like, a lot of us were walking advertisements for Naughty Dog in the game. Because all the swag that dude, yeah. we had gotten. You should see my shirt drawer after 16 years of Blizzard. I can't tell you the amount of black shirts I've thrown away over 16 years. It was just like, black shirts seemed to be the thing that Blizzard did. And now I think... Uh, more than three fourths of my drawer of shirts are all Blizzard shirts. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. here we are, <laughs> part of the gig. Yep, that's that uh, company swag, man. The difference, that's just an example. I think at Method when I was there for eight years, something like that. I think I got three T-shirts and a hoodie, and I think I paid for most of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was no freebies really. <laughs> I think maybe on Civil War we, we might have gotten one okay. free, and then if you wanted more, you had to pay. Yeah. Good job working on that game. You want the shirt, you gotta go buy it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's a free poster. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go get it signed, chump. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I, had a, I missed a question up here. I gotta scroll up a little bit. Uh, what is the best way to get your first gig? Um, I think we answered that before. It's um, just showing the principles of animation on your reel, showing strong body mechanics, timing, weight, um, showing that you're not going to need a lot of training when you first get into the studio um, is going to be huge. Um, yeah. Stylistically, um, shooting towards a demo reel that's based on the company you're applying for, on the games they're working on, is a good way to go. Not always necessary. Um, but if you're trying to hit a style going for the company that you're going to work for or apply for is a good way to go to. Yeah. And to add to that, uh, network, man, network, I can't, I can't stress networking. I can trace back how I got into this industry off a few friends I've made along the way and it yeah. all trickled and sort of overlapped into new gigs based on connections I made 
which has now been, Jesus, I'm old, like 20 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a big like, emphasis on yeah. soft skills that really isn't taught in school, where you just gotta be cordial, learn how to communicate, um, not don't be, be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't be an <laughs> asshole. Don't be annoying. Yeah. Don't shoot emails to people every five to six hours, whatever it may be. But I think Dude, everybody it, in here knows that. It's crazy, man. Like, not to go completely off tangent, but to give an example, I one of my best friends back east. I grew up in, in Connecticut, right? And I knew I wanted to do this stuff eventually, but there's nothing in Connecticut for that. At least back then there wasn't. And uh, I had a friend of mine, Tom, who over the years wanted to do the same thing and i had no idea. like we met through a mutual friend by just hanging out one day and we kind of kept in touch for a bit and then like we lost touch for like five years and then i knew i wanted to get out to the west coast i went to the academy and did all that stuff and then i i we got in contact again and it turned out he had moved to la and he was working at i think zoic at the time hmm. and uh he had his own place down in playa and he's just, I'm like, dude, I was up in San Francisco. I'm like, I think I'm going to end up over at CIS, but I'm up in San Francisco in an apartment with my, with my, uh, with my ex, uh, but we got nowhere to go and I need to get down there first so I can like secure this gig. Yeah. <laughs> and, get and some so work. he basically let me crash on his couch for six months. Oh, nice. Right. So if he hadn't been there, I mean, who knows, but yeah. like without my friend Tom and having met him in Connecticut 20 plus years ago. And then having maintained that connection, like who knows where I'd be right now, you know? And then outside of that, like getting to the Academy and like meeting friends there, like not too long ago, I did a gig with some friends from the Academy from like 15 years ago. So those connections, man, they're, they're, they're super important, you know? Super. You don't know where they're going to get you. Yeah. I, uh, I got my gig in cinematics the same way. I was in QA working on starcraft ghost at the time and um when we indefinitely stopped that project the artists at swinging ape studios at the time all kind of got absorbed into blizzard um, those that wanted to stay and a lot of those artists got moved to cinematics so when the face effects gig came up all those guys and girls hit me up from swinging ape was like hey this get this position's coming up you want to apply for it i know you're interested in animation I was like, yes, please. And that began the, the, the journey into it all. Networking goes a heck of a long way. Um, yeah, man. Sure does. Never stops either. Now it's just a matter of remembering everyone's name, where you met them, <laughs> what they're working yeah. on, where they're working at now. That's the hard and, part. And leverage LinkedIn, man. If you're yeah. trying to get in, like post your reel up on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn because not only can you make connections with colleagues and friends but connecting with random people in certain positions at other companies but uh recruiters and uh, hr they're on linkedin like a lot of them so if you can get your stuff on linkedin that's just another avenue of like showcasing your skills and getting the ball rolling as far as who you are yeah. and get on their radar like even if you like apply to the company of course but also put stuff on linkedin some social media helps but Primarily, LinkedIn has been a good source. Tay Cook's got a question. Any tips for being a lead asking for a friend? <laughs> oh, he's going to owe me. Ah. 
That's a good question, man. Uh, I think to be a lead, like not only do you have to be like, obviously have the, the strong skill set animating and all that, but I think you got to be able to do what the title says. You got to be able to lead, man. Uh, and that takes being able to handle multiple types of personalities and uh, being able to like get your team of whoever getting their stuff up to a certain level so that what the company is expecting, there's no surprises. And uh, again, it all goes back to not being a dick. Like a leader inspires. He doesn't put down or insult or anything like that. Like you'll attract more flies with honey. And learning how to uh, critique other people's work and do it the right way without tearing someone down is huge. I have worked for all kinds of personalities in leadership positions, some good and some not so good. So you remember the good ones and you remember the bad ones. Uh, but yeah, I think the key thing is uh, being able to help the artists under you get to the level they need to be at is huge. And communication is like number one, man. If you can't communicate well enough, then the end product is going to suffer. And, you know, your artists aren't going to get the information they need. Uh, so that that's huge. I think that's the biggest thing communication don't be a dick and uh raise people up don't put them down you know yeah i would agree um and shielding shielding your animators or your uh uh reports reports so that would that would that be the right word reports your lower reports people report to you shielding them from things they don't need to get involved with be it like yeah a change in the pipeline that happens that you may not need to be involved with that they can handle and, and tank or meetings you don't need to go to that they can tank for you just to give you time at the station animating the more they can they can keep you in your seat animating the better i feel like yeah um, yeah yeah a lead depending on the studio would be you'd be surprised at how much they don't animate oh <laughs> my goodness I, I used to cry with my lead and heroes of the storm because he was always in meetings i like six to seven hours of the eight hour day he was in a meeting always yeah, something yeah yep. always something depends um, on the studios like some places like Diz, uh, disney might have a lead be the main guy to come up with this style of a yeah. character it's yeah. very different going from industry games industry to film industry to animated movies you know absolutely i'm gonna give the chat a heads up we got about more about 15 more minutes before i'm gonna wrap up the stream i don't want to keep straws along all night he's probably got shit to do and some sleep to catch up on but uh if you got a question for straws or myself please put it in the chat you're more than welcome to ask about it if we got to call out the hashtag nda we will you can throw out another question from there shout out uh, to uh sean Knight. doritos bro i don't know what you're talking about uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> I knew what, like, I, I shouted out some people at Naughty Dog. They're like, hey, come join us on the on the stream and hang yes. out. Yes. And a few of them have showed up, and Sean's one of them. I Sean, love it. I'm watching you, dude. Come back, Sean. Welcome in. Welcome in, Sean. My favorite is actually Cool Ranch Doritos, if you're asking. That's my bad. Yeah, mine too. Sometimes I like to eat two bags of them at a time, and the other one is, is stored in a magical place that people wonder where it came from. Oh, dear God. I... <laughs> It's like that hidden drawer of the desk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's basically it's, it's a long joke we had at, at lunch. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. When you said show more body mechanics, are you talking about like more of parkour or heavy lifting, backflips, etc.? 
Can you elaborate more on that? Also, did Naughty, Naughty Dog approach you for a position or did you hit them up? Uh, first part, yeah, all the above, man, as far as the body mechanics go. Weight is a huge thing, man. Yeah, traversing. Uh, you gotta be able to sell the weight, whether you're walking, running, pushing, flipping, doing parkour, whatever. Uh, all that stuff was good. And that, those will probably tend more towards like a gameplay animator, melee animator, you know. But it also helps on cinematic side too. I mean, we do that stuff, like even on my reel, and a lot of it is very melee heavy, you know, fighting, action. Uh, and the second part, what was the second part again? Um, the, uh, did Naughty Dog hit you up for the position or did you approach them on it? Oh. No, I had, the funny thing was there, I think I was at Chicken Bone at the time. And like in the summer of, I think it was 2018, or maybe it was Frame Store, I can't remember when. Which studio? I think it was Chicken Bone or Frame Store. And then I had applied when I saw their advertisement, their post. And that was in the summer, I think. And I didn't hear back for like three or four months. Wow. And then all of a sudden I got an email. I'm like, oh. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And you didn't ping them. You didn't be like, hey, just kind of curious. It's been about two or three months. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, cough, cough. Been about two, three months, motherfuckers. All right. Okay. Yeah, like my rule of thought, like, and then for most people, like coming up juniors and get you guys trying to apply, like Blizzard is very good about letting you know fairly quickly it roughly about two weeks if you've got a position or not time out time out whoa it, you, it didn't it did not used to be like that i promise you it took oh, okay. me eight months to hear back uh when i first got hired in 2004. now yeah. uh, what i later found out that the person that you applied to back then in, in the early 2000s was called jack slack now, little did I know that Jack Slack was just a made-up email account at Blizzard that just collects all of the applications that you turn in online. And for years, everyone thought this was a real person you're contacting with, like a recruiter. But it was just a fucking email box that this <laughs> that my application went to for months. And it was the same thing. Eight months later, I'm working at a at an art store at this point, selling canvas and paper. And I get a call from Blizzard like, hey, we want to do a phone interview with you uh, for a QA spot. Like, who, what? Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> All right, that sounds great. Who yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Now we're super quick. Now they'll let you know super fast, but yeah, did yeah. not used to be that way, sir. <laughs> no, no, so like, well, this is, I won't go too far into it, but what I, like, I tend to like to do is like, if I apply for a company, and I have a direct email from a, like a recruiter email, like a legit person, not Jack yeah. Slack. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I'll like, if I don't hear anything, but then I'd say between a week and two weeks, I'll email them back and okay. be like, Hey, I applied for the position. Just wondering if it was still open, you know, I'd just love to get some feedback. And if I don't hear after that, that follow-up email, then I assume it's a no-go. And yeah. what's usually I find trending now with a lot of studios is ghosting like sometimes you won't even get a response so it's it's not like it hasn't happened in the past with years ago but it's it seems to be happening more frequently with studios mm -hmm. these days and i think it's hard as an artist because like we take things personally yeah we're <clears> emotional <throat> people damn it yeah don't take it personally man <laughs> try not to but you... the best you can do is follow up after a couple weeks and if you don't hear anything back you know it's interesting you bring up the ghosting aspect where you just don't get a response nowadays. Do you think that's because of 
the influx of people doing this medium now of just how many more people are applying how many more students that are out there looking for jobs etc just not enough time to reply to everybody yeah it's, that's part sucks. of it Definitely. Hire a bigger HR department. If you don't have enough time, man, then just get Jack Slack. Yeah, right. Just send an automatic reply. Thanks or no thanks. We appreciate you. We'll keep your we'll keep your real for six months type of thing. But yeah, I think that even a even a response from Jack is better than than, than wondering. And I, yeah. I don't think HR, with the amount of mountains of applications they're under, has a have a, you know they, it can be a hard thing to keep track of. You know, yeah. if you've got a thousand applicants per month let's say that's a lot yeah and trying to do a custom email per applicant is just not realistic so but at the very least have something ready to go to respond you know it's a lot of vh tips vhs tapes to watch uh, <laughs> <laughs> i would get Animator man i would no used to get com. upset when i didn't get a response after sending my vhs tape back in the day you know how much trouble it was to get my demo reel on a goddamn cassette tape back then and then I'd get like a mail, a letter, a call, at least say no. Yeah. Upsetting. You know expensive VHS tapes were back then? Yeah. It was not cheap. Because you had to buy the special like uh, two minute, three minute long VHS tapes. There were those were. Yep. Like I got to buy all my blank VHS tape uh, cases and put my special little Curtis Paddock scroll in the front and all that bullshit. Yeah. I remember that. The printer ink and the, the right printer size. <laughs> yeah, label. I gotta like design that in in, in Adobe uh, whatever Photoshop or Illustrator. Come on, man. A hundred percent. I had to buy a specific graphics card that would allow me to export to a VCR, so I could export my stupid demo reels to tape. It was the worst thing ever. Um, I'm glad we're past that now. Yeah, man. Thank God for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes um, I missed a question up here what's the best advice you can give for someone who wants to become a creative director and as that position do you get to choose what game you want to make and if not who decides what game you do make well yeah I'm probably not the best guy to ask but uh, a creative director I think you know just good ideas and follow through and and being a leader again yeah, being a leader, and I think it all create being a creative director starts with just a good idea and having solid imagination. I mean, I think uh, from what I understand, Neil has had the Last of Us story in his head since he was in high school. Nice. So, you know, that goes way back. Yeah. Uh, but if you have like a really solid idea for a story, uh, characters fleshed out, anything to make it. A fully realized thing, then that that's that's huge. Yeah, I would but, say yeah. start making a packet, like start yeah. start putting your ideas to paper. Start making like a pitch packet to help out with that. And yeah. I, I think to add to what Straw says is communication is big for a creative director. You've got to communicate your vision and your idea to the rest of the team, and not everybody sees your idea clearly like you do. And that's mm -hmm. something that's a different skill. Like I've been working more at giving critiques and feedback to help my animation vocabulary, which in turn mm -hmm. helps me, which in turn helps the person getting feedback. Like it's, it's, a, it's a lot of back and forth and communication I think is big for those types of positions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you get into like, if you are a triple A creative director and you've got a 
six-figure, seven-figure project under your belt that you're working on, you got to make sure your vision is understood and it's clear and people have a, a, a direction of what they need to work on and make your vision come true. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I don't envy people in those positions, especially if you're a writer, director, creative director, and uh, you have a very solid idea and then you start getting lots of other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. they have sort of more power, say, than your position, then, you know, your vision starts to change. And how do you handle that? You know, that's big. Huge. Um, you know, don't, don't envy those guys sometimes. No, not at all. Not at all. See, I think we're, I think we're caught up on the, no, never mind, I'm on. How much animation do you do in Motion Builder or do you use Motion Builder to edit the mocap then take it to Maya? What would you say the mocap cleanup pipeline would be? Uh, yeah, well, I haven't really used Motion Builder at all. Uh, we used, we just brought in all the mocap straight into Maya and then used the time editor at Naughty Dog. So we didn't touch Motion Builder at all. Uh, maybe they will in the future, I don't know. Um, how would you say the mocap cleanup pipeline would be? So our pipeline was, you know, they go to the mocap stage and then they go into a repository of mocap library and we'd have them targeted per shot per sequence and certain takes that were approved of like, this is the best take, use this one, or this is the second best, this might work. And we try to plug them in and see how they, how they did, bring them into the time editor, uh, edit them down to make it look and feel good, blend any of the animations if there's more than one take. And then uh, once we got all that into the game, Ideally, in still in time editor, you know, we'd then say, okay, this is working a game. This is going to work. Then we go in and bake everything back to the to the rig, and back into the graph editor, back into keyframes, and then polish it up. You know, take it from there. Easy peasy. Yeah, no problem. No, <laughs> animation shit. So easy. I don't even know why why I chose to do this job. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you get to meet any of the voice actors? Uh, I did not. No. Come on. No, man. Like, so the lead story guys were on the mocap stage, you know, a lot. And as a contractor, sometimes we got to go. It was kind of rare. Uh, it depended on how much we did of the previs and, like, how much we had changed it to where it was a better idea or whatever. Mm. Sometimes we get to go down there. But myself personally, I only got to go to the mocap stage on the very last day of the workbench stuff pick up stuff we needed to grab so that was my experience with it but some of the other guys got to go down and like be there and help direct some of the the, the actors awesome cool. but i think at that point the heavy hitting sort of mocap actors like the guys who played joel and ellie and those people uh the cinematic department was there with neil and uh they had you know most of it in the can you know they were still shooting a, a good sh a amount of it, but as far as interactive game cinematics go, we weren't necessarily involved with those guys. We get like stunt actors or other people that the stage like to use for motion, you know, that kind of fit the build. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so we sadly no, man. But I have met. Well, I will just say quickly, in LA, being in LA, there's you're going to run into an actor at some point, somewhere, randomly, and I can say that I almost ran over Quentin Tarantino one day at CIS Hollywood with my car. 
That would have been a tragedy. That would have been a tragedy. I want to hear about this. How did you almost hit Quentin Tarantino? Dude. Did the Reservoir Dogs song start playing when you almost hit him with the car? No, but I, I like his face is burned into my into my my brain. <laughs> you know, it was like CIS was like my first like big gig, like film gig, and like coming down to LA, like I'm new green dude, and like CIS had a parking lot with a automatic uh, metal fence, right? Okay, yeah. So you had to hit the button, and then wait for that sucker to open up, and based on how far back your car is. You can't see past the sides of the wall, so you can't see people coming, right? Walking. Yes. And yeah. I was like, I remember I was just in a hurry that day, and I had to get home for something, and I kind of got out that gate a little too quick. And Tarantino was like just coming over to the right, and like I slammed on my brakes, and he's looking at me like, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Dude. He had to stop short. I'm like, man, if that had happened, there'd be no Kill Bill, you know? Or, or yeah. yeah, I could see Mr. Brown's face right when you did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! And that—that's not the only actor I almost ran over. Funnily enough, I almost. I, ran know, over. I see a pattern here, Straws. What? I think we should get your ass out of LA. <laughs> Single-handedly just roll, like running over actors. Yeah, actors. and then that one time, Tom Cruise stepped in front of my car. <laughs> That was Rosario Dawson, bro. Over in, like, no. she's in the yeah. No, Rosario, no. Look out. <laughs> and I can't even say I was drinking because you know I don't I don't drink and drive. So yeah, I yeah. That extreme, you know? No, dude, it was bad. It was like dusk, so it was kind of like almost nighttime, and I was on the back streets of Venice trying to cut through crazy traffic. You know, you try to find the shortcuts in L.A. And uh, I was just hitting that stop sign, and I. We're just gonna do that California roll. There it is. There it is. Whoop 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 whoop. And, uh, she was crossing the street, and like I slammed on my brakes, and she, I was like, oh damn, I almost hit that lady. She just looks at me and smiles, and I'm like, that's what Zario does. I know you. You almost took out Death Proof before Death Proof was made. I see how you were looking. You trying to yeah. wreck Tarantino and his number one actress for that movie. I see. I see what you were aiming towards. <laughs> I have a very specific list. Yeah. So I was like, hey, <laughs> death proof. Didn't like it. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But That's freaking amazing. All right, Straws. I've got a couple of questions for you to wrap up this thing and let you sure. go. Let you get back to your, to your thing, to your life. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Time over quality or quality over time? All right. Like, is that personal preference? Uh, in regards to animation, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd say quality over time. Yeah. Quality over time. Yeah. Some AAA studios might not agree with you. Uh... Oh. <laughs> There's that golden rule, man. If you want it cheaper, faster, or better, you pick two. That's right. <laughs> how we, how we working this today? What's what's the menu today? Faster, better, or cheaper? And, t- and uh, clients always want all three. Just yes, keep that in mind. Always. They always, always want all three. Ugh. Second one. Stepped blocking or straight ahead spline? 
you know, as a student learning, the uh, blocking stepped was like drilled into my brain. Uh, but when I got down to it in Maya, I always ended up going straight ahead. Especially as computers got faster. Yeah. It was like, I can quickly see the motion fast if I go straight ahead. Hey, GG, what's blocking? Yeah. I love it. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely sold on the straight ahead spline right now. Yeah. My computer sometimes can handle it okay. Did you do yeah. any stepped uh, blocking at all for Last of Us when you first got in there? Just like planning out scenes or anything? A couple. Yeah, there's some previous there. stuff I was working on that I was doing a blocking step poses and stuff. It definitely has its thing. benefits. Yeah. Especially if you want to like show director fast iterations, I feel like, up front. Here's a quick idea or two to throw down. Yeah, I think if you have really solid planning and maybe some thumbnails, like straight ahead is like, that's great. Yeah. I think your planning, your pre-planning helps that go faster and better. But if you have no idea what you're trying to do, like you don't have a solid idea of what you want the animation to be, then straight ahead is not a good answer, I think. Because you want to explore the poses and kind of come up with an idea. So I don't know, I say that, but then like that little piece I'm working on now, that little acting bit, yeah, it's be or not to be. He's like, that's blocking step. Yeah. yeah. I, I I describe the straight ahead splined as like an improv acting class. We're like, I've got a plan going into it, but then I get halfway into it and I want to add some more that I didn't think of until I actually saw it moving in that spline mode. So I feel like I'm constantly adding with spline, which I think is, is easier than it was adding with stepped mode. I don't know. I got to do more, yeah. I feel like. There's always more tests to run. Yep. Last question, the nice draws. Okay. What is the worst topping on pizza and why is it pineapple? Wow. Dude, please don't let my wife hear you say That's that. That's right. I said it. Pineapple <laughs> does not belong on pizza. Dude, my... Our go-to order for Fresh Brothers is uh, pineapple pepperoni fresh basil. Fucking do that. <laughs> Goodness oh, gracious, you two. No, you two. Up, look, I don't even know what to do. You monster. That's right, Tay. It's you monster. What is this? Uh, that That is something I grew to uh, enjoy because of my wife. So before my wife... <sighs> I was in the same boat you are right now. Okay, okay. All anything for love. I get it. I hey, get it. Happy wife is a happy life. <laughs> you damn skippy. You damn skippy. Well, man, Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for hanging out with us and talking, yep. chatting, telling you us bet, all man. about the ins and outs of The Last of Us Two, some Avengers goodness, and yep. why pineapple on pizza is just weird. Uh, <laughs> Look, to answer A to the J's question and uh, to help with pineapple on pizza, this Oh yes, that this does will help this will help all that go down real easy. Yes. <laughs> this that is is that one of your favorites the McAllen? Or is that Glenlivet? Glenlivet. Glenlivet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. sort of my go to, you know. I don't want to break the bank on a good bottle of scotch for rare occasions, but like if I want a little something to sip on, you know, that's my go to Glenlivet. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, man, uh, this is fun, dude. I appreciate it, man. We should do it again. Yes, please. This is something we should definitely do more often. 
Um, next time maybe we should play a game or something. Oh yeah. I know, I know you're talking about doing World of Warcraft or something like that. Or maybe a little Overwatch. Wow, and whiskey little or wow, oh, wow, and whiskey. You want to see me just run into a wall for an hour? Is that what you want to watch my character do? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Kurt? Wait a minute, I'm following you. I'm following you. It's not this wall. Okay. Yeah, you are following me, Kurt. You, you got me on follow, man. <laughs> Keep following, idiot. Um, who are we going to pass the love off to tonight, Straws? Is there anyone streaming right now? Clyde streaming, as always. Clyde. Dude, that guy's non-stop. Animal, Animation at Night is also streaming. Uh... Let's drop in on Clyde. Let's drop in on Clyde. He could always use the support. I want to see what he's working on. That damn okay. movie. That damn movie is getting so crazy. Yeah, dude. I feel like it's never going to end. He just keeps growing it and growing it. Dude, he's, he's an artist to admire. And, like, just, yeah. Dude is a beast. Absolute beast. Straws, man, oh. thank you again. Uh, don't hang up the phone yet. We'll talk and chat a little bit after this. And, yeah, sounds uh, good, man. Talk some more behind the scenes. If I had a yeah, Patreon on this, I'd be like, and this is where the Patreon conversation happens with Straws after the chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, it was great to see some old faces in here too, man. And I'm surprised you didn't ask it, but hopefully in the future soon, TM, I'd like to start streaming again, but uh yeah to be decided but I'd, I'd love to get back to it so hopefully i hate this word soon <laughs> soon tm we're gonna see straws back on twitch um it's been far too long we miss your face yeah man for sure i miss miss hanging out with everybody yes thank you all for coming out tonight and supporting the chat supporting the talk sending out your questions we appreciate you we'll catch you guys next week hey next weekend is the um animation work along stream so if you've got work to put up in the feedback section of the discord go ahead and do that this week and we'll check that out on friday and i'm still trying to figure out what animation exercise we're going to do next weekend so stay tuned for that thank you straws once again for hanging out and talking yeah. shit drinking whiskey cheers to you and chat cheers to straws cheers. have a good week have a good rest of your weekend and we'll uh we'll see you all cats on the next one all right Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. And after all, if you do really like what you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is, you could eventually become a master of it. The only way to become a master of something is to be really with it.